1: Hello, friends, and welcome to your second consecutive Happy Monday edition of the Kings of Anglia-Ipswich Town podcast. The sun isn't shining, but Town have won two games in a row. They're halfway towards a stated aim, the expected aim of winning four in a row against these kind of struggling sides. They're also halfway towards making the Hutchman £34 million, which I'm going to be in all sorts of strife if that happens. I've already sold one of my kidneys to meet a a previous debt. Uh, Yes, so Mark Heath with the Hutchman and Stewie, the Dr. Watson, Hutchy, I noticed by way of segue into your intro, you were wearing something around your neck which declared you a VIP at MK DON's on Saturday. Uh yeah, it was just my
0: EFL lanyard. That was that was it really. Um it said VIP on it though, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um you can have it if you want. I've still yeah. I I brought it home yet again. I brought it home. There was one journalist there that had a bit of an amnesty with these. We get given a little y- Lanyard thing with our little face on it every single game. And, and and one guy who covers MK Don's pulled about 30 of them out of his bag and returned them to the club, which I probably need to do at some point because here goes Stu. He's delving deep. Look, yeah, door. just got so wow. many of them.
1: Are they all yeah. from town?
0: They're all town ones. No, all away games, they'll be. We just get so many of them and and try, we try to leave them at every ground. This is a thrilling start to a podcast, isn't it? uh, Try to leave the lanyards behind at every ground. Sometimes do, sometimes don't. There's one in the back of my car at the
1: moment. That's just, just what would you say is the best lanyard you've ever had?
2: We're still going with the landlord landlord chat. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I've got nothing for you. I have. I've got a yeah. top... I'll, I'll do you a top three if you want. Give us it.
0: Top three lanyards. Um, I once covered the Speedway World Cup, uh, which was sponsored by Monster Energy. And that, that was a really good, really fun lanyard. Yeah. Fulham, they'll do you a good lanyard. Yeah. Why is that good? Uh, just, just classy. Just black nice, and, yeah. Black and white. Bit yeah. of red on it. Um, and then third in the top three lanyards, I'd, I'd probably say um, the lanyard... That I wore on my first day working for the Daily Mail, which I wore all day and didn't realize till the end of the day that nobody else wore one. And I, oh. they, gave, they gave it to me at reception my first day. I sat there, wore it all day. And everyone I got to the end of the day and everyone was like, well, why have you still got that on? Take Lanyard it wanker. Was that like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I, <laughs> then I binned it. Let's move on from lanyards. And
1: that's that name's stuck ever since. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you do see Andy Warren at games, feel free to call it. Definitely, actually, definitely don't call him Lanyard Wanker. Uh, Watto, you're definitely not a Lanyard Wanker. You weren't wearing yours. How are you? I'm good. Excellent. Good chat. Superb. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's move swiftly on, shall we, from this sizzling chat into a sizzling performance from town. Yeah. But they did what they had to do. AMK dons at the weekend, friends. They won their second game in a row for the first time since October. Uh, First away win since November, and it's the first time they've kept kept three clean sheets in a row, I believe, since those hazy, heady days of August in the league. Um, Who wants to kick us off then? Town won 1-0 at struggling MK Dons, a side who had been pumped 5-0 and 5-2 in the previous two games. Stewie, your thoughts?
2: Uh, Yeah, those stats kind of sum up the importance of of this as a victory. Didn't really matter how it came. Ipswich just need to get on that winning train to get that, that momentum going again. Um and they managed to do it. Um Sam Morsi, the captain, comes up with a real leader's captain's moment, a real moment of quality, but also it was a, a goal born out of desire to to um to to intercept, high up the pitch, to drive into space, to to take on the shot, real hammer finish from the edge of the box. Um, and as Kieran McKenna said afterwards, Ipswich are going to need their big players to step up in the big moments if this season is going to end the way we we hope it is. So, um, yeah, good goal to win it. Um, should have killed it off in the second half. Uh, didn't, but but the clean sheet is a very important one. I think uh, that's probably my biggest takeaway from this is that Ipswich have got got back to keeping some clean sheets again.
0: Mm. Hutchie, what did you make of it all? Job done. Job done. Really. I I, I know. I know there will be some people that that see teams have conceded five in back to back games and, and fancy a slice of that. Mm. Not fussed. Not fussed about that. They got the job done. I saw quite a lot of things that I liked from Ipswich. Ipswich. There. Um, they did enough in in all areas of the pitch to win it. Um, they'll need to play better than that in in other games this season. But just getting the ball rolling when you're pushing a car along. And I've pushed a lot of cars. You just got to get it moving. Then the momentum's easy from there. You can keep it rolling. And they've they've got the car pushed pushed off. And um, I've witnessed that. Actually think... pushing
1: a car.
2: Yeah, I was in it.
1: Really? Well, yeah. Where he... is this. Come on. Stories. I don't
2: know. We pulled up in a petrol station uh, one time. We we're a bit short. We we're a bit shy of the pump. I don't know <laughs> why Andy had stopped a bit short. But instead of just being a normal person and starting the car again, yeah, and driving it forward on a foot or two. He just said, "Take the handbrake off." Off he got, and he just pushed round the back and, and pushed it on like he was in some world strongest man competition.
0: Environment reasons, mate. Didn't you need to start. Get... That, didn't need to start it up again for that that level of movement. You don't get the
1: boulders that hutchie has got for carbs unless you push the odd car here and there. I live on a but hill as well. Very powerful lower body, Hutchy. I believe. Um <clears throat> what do we make of the team, friends? It was as expected, wasn't it? Was there any um significance do you think in Hurst starting his second straight game?
2: Um is there any significance in that? Uh probably is starting to show that as we've said all along, they've chased Hurst for a long time, hmm. finally got their man in January. I think If you were to say to me who's going to start more games out of him and Ladapo between the end of the season, it will be Hurst for that reason. And they're they're obviously trying to get games in him to get him up to speed fitness-wise, sharpness-wise, having not played a lot for Blackburn. I don't think that suddenly means he's going to play every week Um, after the game. I thought Hurst was, for me just about the pick of the Ipswich players for me at the weekend. I thought he had a, a really good game and I'm liking more and more from what I see of him as he gets up to speed but McKenna was very quick when kind of praise came Hurst's way post-match to say yeah, we've got two strikers in form at the moment that bring different qualities to, to the table so um, yeah um, I thought I thought he played well Hurst but they've, they've now got, hopefully going to get to a stage where they've got two strikers that are in form and, and can be utilised accordingly when the right opposition comes along.
0: He seemed to split opinion, Hurst, at the weekend, didn't he? From what from what I could see, um, I thought he had a good game. He he didn't. There were times where the touch was a little bit loose, but he was under a lot of a lot of his play was heavily contested, wasn't it? He was under a lot of pressure at all, all times, and I thought he gave Ipswich kind of a good a good platform. There was one. There was one moment I really liked actually a little knockdown that he put I think it was into the path of Chaplin who was coming into the box but that we don't see little knockdown headers from from Ipswich strikers all that often that was a new dimension that I quite liked he always works hard he leads that that front line kind of um, defensive press very well and um, he had a couple of threatening moments of his own in the second half as well yeah I I, I thought his performance at Burnley was a notch above what he did at, at MK at the weekend but. Um, you can you can see why they've tried to sign him. He he's certainly not a complete player, that mm. but but you can see why they were so keen on him, I think. I thought he I thought he contributed to that game really well.
1: We should also praise Sam Morsey, shouldn't we? I know Stuart, you said you Hurst was the pick of the bunch for you, but Hutchie you gave Morsey man of the match. And we were talking last week on the show. Um, the only show we actually did last week, friends. Apologies for that. And um, we got a bit discombobulated towards the end of the week. Presses was moved. Our plans fell apart and we couldn't do a second show. So apologies. But Stu, on that show we did last week, you said that um, Hutchie was betting every week at the start of the season on Morsey scoring. And we hadn't seen a lot of that in recent times. And then he duly pops up with a bit of a screamer, Hutchie.
0: Yeah, um, the interception was just... <clears> just- just as big a part of that as the finish I think um, getting ahead of his man in there and, and striding forward with it it opened up for him a little bit I think he, he considered the pass and then another touch came considered the pass again and then it's like, actually they're backing off me here let's just pop it in the bottom corner and he, and he did um, I think he's been really good recently He went. I think there, there was a slight by his high standards there was a slightly flat spell maybe at the beginning of the year over Christmas potentially mm. um, but of late I think he's been very very good um, and they need him to be very, very good because he's he's a really important member of the team. He's carried the midfield at a time when they've been down to the barest of bones, and um, it was nice to see him pop that winner in because he's definitely capable of that. Like um, to see a couple more of those in in big moments
2: before the end of it all. It's been a proper captain's response since Bristol Rovers, hasn't it, yeah. where you had the, uh, the the confrontation, the altercation at the end of the match with, with the fans. Yeah. Um, quick to put out a really mature, articulate uh, apology the following day, nipped that in the bud very quickly and has, more importantly, responded on the pitch since then. Um, The top players, the elite players, are not just about their quality, it's about their consistency. That's what separates the best. And Sam Morsi, in general, delivers week in week out uh to a high standard and we perhaps we've all got and maybe I've been the same get a little bit complacent about that that he's he's generally 7 out of 10 at least every week um yeah and he's right he's probably had a slight dip uh, along with a, a number of members of the team during that little uh, spell where the w- wins were hard to come by but um yeah he's he's the heartbeat of this team on on and off the pitch and um that's why it was really, really good to see him not only score that goal, but perform the way he
1: did. Hmm. We should also reflect, we're talking about Morsey. Hutch, you put something online this morning. Very excitingly, you told us that Morsey was walking a tightrope wall um, in terms of yellow cards in the group chat this morning. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? But as we're talking about his importance to the side, what's his situation? You've What you've done there
0: is you've, you've jumped on a typo in WhatsApp. <laughs> um and 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 run with it obviously uh, tightrope walk is what you do yeah. um but look we've known he's been on nine bookings for ages now it's since the Cambridge game i think he picked up his ninth um he's got to get through four more to avoid that two game that two game ban um and if i'm honest i think i'd probably back him to do it i've, I've we've spoken before about how I've I'm quite impressed with his in-game management of yellow card situations when it, he knows where the line is he'll play all the way up to that line and and is then um and is then able to walk back from it and 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 stay within it um he's done that I think it's 5 without a booking now mm. he's got to do four more otherwise he'll get a two game ban if he waits all the way till game 37 that then rules him out of the Barnsley and the Derby games so um they're big. It's a big, it's a big thing because he's such an important member of the team. But I think he can, I think he can do it. The The, the journalist who covers Wigan um, this morning sort of mentioned um, during his, I, I found a run of um, Wigan yellow cards that he didn't, he, he games, he went like 14 games without a yellow card. And then the, the Wigan reporter told me after that, that, that that was 14, game 14 of that was the deadline. He played mm. all the way up to the deadline, didn't get it and then got booked in the, the first game after it didn't matter anymore. So um, it's massive if they can keep him available because he's so important to the team. And I, I honestly think he, he'll, he'll make it through. And you can't accuse him of backing off in his game, I don't think, um, even though he's been one away for a few now.
2: McKenna was kind of quick to highlight that after the game at the weekend, actually about how he's so good at sort of controlling himself and tempering his game and adapting his game. And that's probably something that's also gone under the radar and how he's had to change his role in the team several times this season. We talked about the goal threat and him, he sort of changed when McKenna first arrived, we suddenly saw the shackles come off and he was being encouraged to burst into the box late. And that's when Andy was slapping down the, the money on him to score every week. And, um, and then, and then his roles kind of changed a bit at times this season. It's certainly when Lee Evans has been out of the side, he's, he's in his second sort of injury spell now, Lee Evans. Morsey then becomes more of the sitter, um, and Cameron Humphreys or, uh, Luongo when he's come on, then maybe are the ones that, that play that more sort of attacking role. So, um, yeah, he's, uh there's probably a lot more that goes on with Sam Morsi's performances than than first meets the eye so he is their he is their key man he is their talisman i think we said it before a ball was kicked this season and um, it's proven to be the case
1: hmm. hopefully he does make it without getting a booking but if he doesn't we saw potentially i mean obviously Humphrey came off at half time didn't we and Luongo came on what was the what was the reasoning for that i've missed that there's no injury was there to humphreys
2: no, he just, Humphreys got booked just before half-time, so right. the plan was always... I mean, Cameron Humphreys um, has played a lot of football in a short space of time over the last mm. month. Um, been time, been signs at times that fatigue has been setting in for the young man, um, obviously. I think the plan was always to get Luongo on around around the hour mark, but Humphreys picking up a booking just before half-time kind of sped up that process. So they made the change at the break and... Um, Massimo Luongo had a, another another impressive cameo I think he played a big part in Ipswich stepping their game up after the restart
0: we shouldn't be too surprised about that really should we? he's a player with real kind of mm. real pedigree and real and real quality that the knock on him is is he fit enough and that was that was the knock that he arrived with he's he's been available for a few games now and if he can prove that he's available and, and reliable I, I think he'll probably take over as the starter at, at some point in the in the very not too distant future, I would, I would think. Um, and that could be really important sort of going down the stretch for for Ipswich from here.
1: Just going back to the theme of tightropes, if you're interested in documentaries and you like tightrope walking, watch Man on Wire, which is the documentary about the guy who crazily um, put a, 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 what's it called, a tightrope between the World Trade Centers. This is about mid seventies and then walked across them. And there's a famous picture of him lying down on the on the wire um which is highly illegal at the time so the whole it's the whole documentary about how we trained for it how they actually got up there how they managed to get past all security and do that fantastic documentary um and speaking of tight ropes boys it's just Hagan,
2: do, sorry i've just trampled all over your segue there you have watch the documentary not the film they did then turn it into a dramatized hollywood film but the actual yeah. documentary <clears throat> with footage of the time seek that one out please
1: it's brilliant uh, and now just ignore the fact that Steve's yeah. jump all over my segue i'll go back to the segue speaking of t- tightrope boys it's town walked a tightrope didn't they on 10 minutes with those five shots in five seconds or, or 10 seconds depending on who you believe Whee! what a what a sequence that was
2: uh yes it was <laughs> I, I was waiting for andy to jump in but um he was waggling his tongue around still yeah so i'll go um yeah, unbelievable. It was one in the press box. We we're all sort of looking at each other in disbelief, trying to sort of work out the sequence of events. But watching it back, I think it's five shots in the space of, what, five, ten seconds, Andy, was it? Mm. Um,
0: 7.8 seconds.
2: Okay, there you go. Official numbers. Uh, yeah, proper pinball moment in the box for Ipswich Town. It's one of those where you think, how on earth has, has that not gone in? Yeah. Um, Especially it's a combination i mean yeah a combination of a dreadful miss from who's about 2 yeah. yards out at the back post and and full credit to luke wolfenden a, a a brilliant block on the line just flings himself i think he's actually in the net when he throws yeah. himself at it at the ball so that's two two big goal line clearances from wolfenden in the space of a few weeks you think you remember it was him who cleared the ball onto the line at bristol rovers as well but that yeah that was a remarkable sequence
1: wolfenden didn't celebrate by shaking the post again did he he didn't. He didn't have time this time. He no, needed, to, he get he get he needed up, he? to
2: get back up this
0: time. <laughs> um, yeah, two good saves from Christian Walton as well. But um, yeah, they. Uh, I think I, I read something that that was. I think MK Dons had all of their XG in that That's period, it. pretty pretty much. Right, but bar the odd little thing here and there. So in terms of XG, that that was it
1: for MK Dons, and yeah. the town survived. Pre- previously, we've had um, scores of one nil. We've, we've felt a bit ropey, haven't we, about Town being able to protect the lead, perhaps, certainly in the in the most recent run. But it sounds to me like you boys were, were quite confident they were going to see this out, Stewie, which is a good yeah. thing in itself, isn't it?
2: <clears throat> yeah, which is why I say the, the clean sheet is the thing that mm. encourages me the most, because we've been talking for quite a while now about, it sounds a really weird thing to say about the division's top scorers, but it has been a recurring theme about maybe not being ruthless and clinical enough. Mm. You could even say it about the Forest Green game, to be honest, you know, that that game should have been a higher scoreline. Um, this one certainly should have been a higher scoreline. Nathan Broadhead, probably the most guilty party in the second half with putting a rebound chance over from from six yards out. So, as McKenna said afterwards, the bedrock has to be clean sheets. So, uh, for Ipswich to get three in the row, um, yeah, I felt it's natural when you get to the latter stages, you kind of think, Oh, is it going to be just one, one long ball into the box or a deflected shot from outside the box that we've seen a few times, but I thought their game management was really good. They, you know, they did, they looked like they were in control of what they were doing. There was a cut. There was a couple of cheap fouls that they gave away, but in general that, you know, they kept the ball a couple of times. They made sensible decisions to sort of take, run it to the corner and and run down the clock. So, um, yeah, I, I, what Andy said about XG there makes a bit of a nonsense. So that, that stat sometimes, if if the XG shows that MK had five shots on target or whatever, but if they all came within five seconds, beyond that little moment, they didn't threaten a great deal, did they?
0: The only time I was nervous was when Josh McEckram was standing over that free kick. I could just, I don't, this is just the ingrained stuff, I guess, but just sensing a flick off a shoulder from the wall and Walton standing there and it goes in. But Walton caught that one really well. I, I think MK ran out of ideas,
1: really. Going back to Minty's miss, by the way, Stu, I was thinking when I saw that that would have been a classic time to play. That my grand could have scored that cliche card, wouldn't it? Run it back. Bring on someone's grand. See if she can bury that rebound. Mm. Oh, tougher than that one. About the, ball, <laughs> the ball.
0: The ball. The ball. They, uh, that. The ball was a bit off the floor.
1: That is a great bit of punditry. I, Tough, I'd have, oh, tougher I'd have than that, that. that one. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: i'd have pl- i'd have played that card probably for the freddie Ladapo header um oh ah, yeah against, uh, time forward against forward screen you've just nan's just got to let it hit her there and it goes in <laughs>
1: um mm.
0: mk <laughs> mk would have played it with lecco with lecco's chance yeah wouldn't,
1: it? wouldn't they i'd would love to see that actually happen i mean bring on a Nan to try and score a diving header in the case of freddie Ladapo. that would be brilliant teeth go flying and if 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 you're <laughs> if you're luke wolfenden as well you're probably not going to be chucking yeah. yourself
2: at the at exactly. the nan with gusto either oh, yeah, I it's, it's going to be he the, should be i'll be
0: if i was his manager i'd be furious if he wasn't you play the nan you don't you don't play you you just play
1: you play you play what's in front of you play the nan tough for a nan that i love that bit of punditry actually that's a great quote um yeah, we, we kind of got away from those cliche cards, but I'd like to see him come back. Certainly, there's been opportunities to play the nan card in the last couple of weeks, as we as we say there. Um, <clears throat> anything else to mention, friends, as we move away from the nan? Um, I mean, MK cards
2: Dons might have played the could have could have played all day and not scored cards. Yeah. as well, I mean, if if they might have counteracted that as well, and that might have been a double playing of of the cliche cards. Um, Imagine that potentially.
1: <laughs> Good. Dead air is good air. Uh... I was waiting for Hutchie to say something. I thought he was going to come in with another cliche, but no, it's okay. I'll take it from here. Anything else to mention then, friends, from, from MK? About the pitch, obviously we went into this game talking about the pitch being unacceptable in the words of uh, England women's manager. Um, it did look like it was cutting up from the highlights. Yeah. Um, but it didn't, yeah. didn't affect the game too much?
0: It's clearly not in good nick, clearly. Um, I think it was quite slow. The ball doesn't didn't always bounce particularly well, but... It, it did, I don't think it impacted the game. I don't think mm. you're certainly not having, there's no moment in that game where you're looking at it thinking the, the pitch has had any kind of impact on how the game went, but it's clearly not in a very good state at all
1: mm. um, in certain areas. Any tales from the road before we move on from MK Don's? You've got your v, VIP lanyard. What's VIP treatment like at MK Don's in the press room? What are you getting? Well, well, it's funny you should yeah. ask
2: actually. Yeah. Uh, we toyed with getting some you never quite know what you're going to get when you go to different grounds especially at league league 1 level uh we risked it we went in. we thought we'll see what we get at mk dons might just might be literally a glass of water might be a feast you don't know let me tell you it was a feast we came in we were sitting there and in came a pizza delivery guy with 12 20 12
0: 12 there were, 12, there were, there were 12.
2: Twelve boxes of Papa John's large pizzas. Um, so yeah,
1: it's what we've they... been waiting for. Actually, you expected to get it in the actual trophy, but you yeah. get it at NK Don's in a League One game.
0: Well, it, t- it turns out the Papa John's is actually in the stadium. Oh, I've, I've done some. I've done some subsequent research. The uh, the vendor is in within the the walls of the stadium. So, um, makes sense. What was your weapon that... of choice? What, what what were the options? There was a meaty one. Yeah. And a cheese and tomato one. How many I slices know. did you have? Five. Whoa, yes. Fill your boots, son. Might have, might have been six. Superb.
2: Yeah, that... I was in that ballpark figure as well. I felt a little bit sleepy during the game as well. <laughs> it was just a, it's which were yeah, one nil up. Felt like I felt pretty comfortable with them. I was just, yeah, you know, when you just get belly was full. That's ready to go back, little, was, it, was ready there still for a little snooze there?
1: if I'm honest. Some at half time, had it gone. That's a shame because cold pizza no. is almost as good as warm pizza, no.
0: isn't it? One thing I would say about, about Papa John's, i I'm not an experienced Papa John's eater, mm. um, I'll be honest. It the pizzas came with a little tub of butter. Like it's pure butter. butter? like not garlic you know, butter. Slightly garlicky butter, but it was oh, okay. it was basically just butter. It's not it's not for me. That's not i don't need to dip my crust in butter I, I love a garlic dip but not um not pure butter
2: it was it was very viscous let's say it? it's um yeah very different to what you're getting with, with the dominoes thick sludgy you could see Poor. the calories dripping from it um <laughs> even we drew the line there
1: just as an aside boys do you know anyone who eats their pizza with a knife and fork I mean, I have eaten a pizza with a knife and fork. I would, never, when, what...
0: I, I would never eat a pizza with a knife and fork out of um, in part out of a, a pizza box. Was that like, no, like some restaurants or something? I've eaten a pizza with a knife and fork before, plenty of times. But I'd, I'd never do that with a feel like Papa Papa John's pizza.
1: Do you go with the fold? Is that your technique? The fold over? Or how do you how do you eat your pizza? Um, Just stuff it into my mouth. <laughs> yeah, pick it up, pick it up, and give it a nibble. Um, I don't know you've if got I'll, be, I'll, you've got I'll, I'll analyse to the, it next time. I've not really thought about it. You've be cognizant yeah. of tip-sag, haven't you, sometimes with pizza? You need to kind of lift the tip, as it were, to get it in. <laughs> what? Nothing. <clears throat> anyway, moving on, shall we, boys, um, from pizza and tip-sag to the bigger picture, which we have to talk about with 13 games left. Don't we, Hutchie? We have to talk about this, don't uh, we? Yeah. How are you feeling about the bigger picture? Because clearly Plymouth, in second, we, we speculated they might be the ones that fall away under the pressure of the run-in. And they got tonked at Peterborough, 5-2. Uh, and there's also a coming storm running behind Town called Barnsley, who ripped the Rams apart 4-1 in the in the big game of the weekend and now sit with two games in hand, four points behind Town. Mm-hmm. They are clearly going to be a threat you'd imagine on the run-in. Derby now have only won one of their last four, considering they were going like a train at one point. So how are we feeling about the bigger mm-hmm. picture today, Stewie and Hutchie?
0: I don't feel any different about it today than I did at the start of this run of games that they need to win all four of. I'll be mm. on I, Ipswich, Ipswich need to win all four of these games and then see where see where they're at. Um, if they can get to the end of them with the four wins, it could look so much brighter, couldn't it? Clearly the one game swing of peter of Peterborough battering Plymouth is um is great. Mm. They have to take these points back off them at some time, but like, there's this run of four games and then the next five for Ipswich are all against top eight teams. That's that's where I'm interested. Um par for the course for Ipswich should be now. They've done the tougher parts of it, I think. the the road game, the the two home games now win those. Um then it'll be a real sprint for the line, I think, but with a very tough start for Ipswich. Maybe that a sprint for the line but Ipswich have hurdles for the first first fifty metres of the hundred meters.
2: Is it a there's sprint for I'm a line saying. or a, or a slug for the line? It's like the two boxes that have gone deep into the, into the fight, and then it's just we've got nothing left. We're just swinging punches by that point. I don't know, but yeah, the last two games they let's not get too carried away. Forest Green were were pretty rank bad. They're bottom of the table. <laughs> They're heading for League Two. Go on, use Sweat the word aside. you use the word you want <laughs> to it, Come on. No. I'm not, I'm not going to do a Ross Halls here. Where we okay. I won't say the naughty word. Um, <laughs> they, were, they were poor and Ipswich, di- and Ipswich dispatched them fine. Then how, how do you back it up? They did that to Morecambe. They went and laid an egg at Cambridge. This time they didn't. That, that's hopefully mm. a sign of sort of lessons learned in terms of maintaining focus. Obviously there wasn't a cup game in between this time, but, um, they didn't actually play that great, did they, first half at MK Dons, let's be honest. So for them to have sort of come through that test and, and got the win is good. Um, but as Andy says, it doesn't really change the bigger picture. Um, I, my feelings around that Bristol Rovers game have probably softened over time. And I th- I, I kind of sense that Kieran McKenna has just got a little bit sharp in terms of the reaction to that game because he's right – if Ipswich had gone been going along quite nicely in this season and they'd gone away to Bristol Rovers and drawn 0-0, you'd go, okay, tough place to go. They sat deep. It was a 0-0 draw. It's a clean sheet. Move on to the next one. But I, I still think it was the right time for us to do that kind of soul-searching mm. analysis of where they're at and why the slide is happening because it was four wins in 15 league games at that stage. And that was a fair sample size for me, for us to be talking about some of the deficiencies that had led them to that point. And as we keep saying, it was born out of a longer term sort of deep rooted scars that, you know, that we've seen. And Kieran McKenna hasn't, Kieran McKenna has been off at the new camp and Old Trafford and seeing things while we've been watching various other stuff here. Same with Mark Ashton as well. They've not lived through that process. And and I note that Mark Ashton has referenced in the, the interview that he'd done with Matt Holland, like, actually it's been really useful for me to get some quite um, articulate fair balanced emails from fans that have said look we love everything that you're doing here we're enjoying the football but you need to understand where our headspace is at as Ipswich Town fans over the last little while so I think there's a bit of a meeting between the middle of terms of where the fans heads are at where the kind of the people driving the football club is at, and that there, there probably needs to be a bit of a meeting in the middle of an acknowledgement of the past, what they're trying to do here, and um,
1: yeah, ho- hopefully, it's still time
2: for it all to come together.
1: Hmm. Never been in doubt for me, boys. I think we've been far too negative. Clearly, top two still on, isn't it? Look, two wins in a row now. Things are things are all rosy. We're not really going to learn a lot in all seriousness in these next in these next couple of games, are we? It's really after these next couple of games are out the way, then we're actually going to find out. Exactly where we are with Ipswich Town, mm. I would say.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, and and I, I would I think the top two is still on. I still think it's a hard job from here. They're still five points back. They've still, you know, but but mm. win these win these next two. Do do the do what's required. That four wins in a row, and and then you're in a in a place where you can launch into that and and really prove a point in those five games against top eight teams in a row. If yeah, th- that's where you make that's where they'll make their money and and do their business this season. I think they can they have to get through these two with the with the maximum points otherwise they're just going to make things harder for themselves
2: i think plymouth. psychology you talked about psychologically you talked about derby you know now winning one in four and plymouth mm. losing heavily at the weekend rewind a week or so and i think there was this feeling that well, none of them are ever going to lose again because it just felt like all of the teams at the top were on these winning runs and Everybody has sticky spells at some stage, and you just hope that Ipswich kind of got theirs out of the way earlier mm. and they'll finish with the maybe their best run is is the one that they finished with. And if you're gonna if, if your if your purple patch is gonna come at any time, you want it to come down the business end down the back straight, don't you? So that's got to be the hope. Others weren't gonna maintain that those levels of form. Plymouth, as we know, the goalkeepers out, Cooper, other injuries as well. Um Wickham losing, change of manager there. I think that's quelled any minor fears that you know we're looking down to seventh and and how that could sort of bunch up. I think you know I think we've all sort of called our jets on on that front. So um, yeah, those results elsewhere I think have, have added to a sort of a sense of renewed mood, just as much as it getting the job done themselves in the last two games.
0: There was sure, there, surely there was never any real fear about missing the playoffs. I know that got talked about at, at certain points of. Of things not being fantastic for Ipswich, but they were always going to. That, that's come on. As much as I would be that that would be tempered by seeing you walking out in <laughs> shorts and socks alongside Sam Morsey at Fleetwood, having having missed the playoffs. So I, I don't. I didn't want to see that, and I don't think there was ever any any danger of that. And I think the top six will finish as it is. And I think you're right, Stu If Ipswich can can sort of get going like a train now in in this run, like. Like Derby have, like Barnsley are in the middle of now. If they can, Ipswich can produce that inside the last 10 games, I think they'll get promoted. But um, we don't know that they can do that
2: yet. No, yeah. and the reasons to believe that aren't because they've just beaten Forest Green no. and MK Dons. The reasons to believe that is from what we've seen of Nathan Broadhead so far, from what we've seen of George Hurst getting better, from what, from the little bits we've seen of Massimo Luongo to think that they have actually upgraded their starting 11. In January, and you know, it's just a case of now getting that starting 11 settled, building that chemistry. They're the reasons for to, to believe that things can can snowball from here. That they've improved that team in the January transfer window, and I think I'm, I'm starting to see more and more signs that that is the case.
1: Mm. Those games, the, the Barnsley, Bolton, Derby away, Wickham at home, those games are, are going to be the key ones, aren't they? The really interesting ones where we don't know a lot as to why, where things might fall. Um, Boys, just by way of moving on, MK Dons, last season one of the best teams in the league and this season they're on in all sorts of relegation strife. What what did you make of them? Clearly they've changed manager, they've been struggling. Um, thoughts on them before we move on?
0: I think they're in trouble. Um, I'll be honest, I, I, I think that, what is there, like six, seven teams down there that might might um obviously one of the one one team that's might have one eye over their shoulder, Oxford have, have acted by changing Carl Robinson. Um sacking Carl Robinson, sorry, but there's six or seven teams down there that are all gonna be looking over their shoulder. MK will be one of those, I'm sure of that. Um I can see why I can see why people are talking about them having improved recently. I think they've they've got some kind of some decent players who have played but not starred at higher levels in there now that are at least working towards a way of playing. But um, didn't seem an awful lot of spark about them to me. Mm. It, uh, I think I think they're going to have to slug out something to, to stay up down there.
2: I think they've got a chance. Um, I think they've got a chance because I think to get yourself out of a relegation battle, you need to be able to score goals. And they look like a team that will be able to score goals with that front three of ISA. Leko and kai, kai they've got some pace and they've got a counter-threat if they can just sort things out a little bit at the back, if they can ally a bit of solidity to that. Um, they've got a chance. They've just come through, obviously, a tricky run of games now, Bolton, Sheffield, Wednesday and Ipswich. Um, they'll take a lot from, from the game at the weekend. Ipswich deserved to win and did, but um, they'll be playing some inferior opposition and I'm sure they can get out of it. And just on the talk of sort of playing inferior opposition... It's natural for us. We're doing it. We're talking about. Oh, it's these games coming up. It's the Bolton. It's the Derby games that are going to define mm. this. And McKenna will not allow this, and the players can't allow this. These, there's a job to be done in these next two games. Let's not forget Ipswich have dropped points at home to Lincoln, to Cheltenham, to Fleetwood. They can't. Those are the games that have. Those are the games that have hurt Ipswich the most this mm. season. They cannot allow that to happen again in these next two games.
1: And if you look at Burton, actually, just on that subject, they've won three of the last five. So they're, yeah. they're actually um, not in yeah. not in bad old form. And they've, they've, they've come out of the uh, the drop zone, haven't they? They've moved themselves up out of that. So, yeah, certainly not an easy game on Saturday, but definitely a game that Town should win. Um, Oxford United, before we move on, any any, any thoughts on that? i surprised surprised what, what's happened there because they've been one of the best teams in the league for a couple of seasons now. Obviously made the playoffs a couple of times under Robinson.
0: I'm not. I'm not surprised, Robin. I really like Carl Robinson's football mm. in, in certain situations. I've, I know we've we've probably seen the worst of it at, at Ipswich because it, he comes to kind of Portman Road and they have like wasted time and things like that. But he he seems like a a bit of a shelf life manager. He, you have, same with MK Dons. He had them doing some really good things. Comes comes it comes to an end. Um, Oxford had been there a long time. They'd they'd had flirtations with the playoffs. Um, and some playoff defeats along the way. I think good, like good things, come to an end. I think he, mm. I think he'll pop up again in League One. He'll put a good team on the field that, in in the right circumstances, can play some really good football. Um, but I'll be honest, when, when this this may seem really weird, but when they allowed Matt Taylor to join Port Vale in January, that that felt like the beginning of the end of kind of Carl Robinson at Oxford mm. to me. Um, that was kind of. A changing of the guard, almost, and I guess the manager is is part of that. He'll pop up in League One again, and he'll and he'll get a team towards the top end of the division
1: again as well. Speaking of managers in trouble, by the way, I notice a certain Mister Paul Cook is under pressure at Chesterfield. They've uh, on a terrible run of form. They've not won for more than a month, I don't think, and have slid down the pecking order in, in the national league. Uh, so, yeah, interesting. Keep an eye on that from afar. See how Cooky, if you can get out of that. Friends, should we move on? Should we move on to something? sad but also a chance to kind of celebrate the life of someone john mottson died last week um who is as iconic as it gets in terms of media and football in this country um and obviously had a special a special connection to Ipswich town um a secret town fan grew up in suffolk went to colford school the posh school just down the road from Bury. um and used to watch it town as a boy i think he used to write a column in the town program as well um have you got any I thought it was worth mentioning on an Ipswich Town podcast. Any any kind of special memories of, of John Motson? I wouldn't say I've got any that just leap off the page of, of
0: like, this is my John Motson memory, but he was just always there, wasn't he, during, mm. during certainly people of kind of my age, of um, of just what, and, a, and older, obviously, of just every weekend he'd either be on a live game, certainly on Match of the Day. Um just always, just always there. A, a voice that accompanied so much. Um, I also think he commented on it Ipswich's game at Helsingborg in the UEFA Cup, which I quite enjoy. I remember thinking that was quite fun at that when I was a yeah. young boy, having John Motson on an Ipswich game.
1: At, um but yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, I interviewed him once, um, which is a thoroughly weird experience. I've interviewed three people, I would say, with with iconic voices. He was one, John Pill was another. And so David Frost was another. Uh, and But Motson was the weirdest because um, I interviewed him over the phone. I met the other two in person. I interviewed Motson over the phone. And I made the mistake as a young cub reporter. This is when I was working a night shift on a Tuesday night or something. I made the mistake of ringing him when there was football on. And uh, he was not happy. He said, come on, pal. It's Champions League, whatever it was. Um, and I said, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, he said, call back at half time which I duly did. I can't even remember what the story was about. Um, so I'd imagine it was something to do with town. Um, anyway, uh, and at halftime, he, he was in a much better mood. But it was just so weird to interview someone with such an iconic voice, but not doing what they're known for. <laughs> so I was asking him questions, and he was sort of asking me questions about how I was and that kind of stuff. But in John Motson's voice, it was so surreal. Um, was it
0: his voice? Or was it yeah, – does, no, does he have a commentary voice? No, no, or
1: it was – was was, that's how he speaks. I mean, obviously, I assume there's slight changes in tone and pitch and all that kind of stuff, but that is exactly how he spoke. Um, so to him for asking me, how are you doing? That kind of stuff. But in John Motson's voice, <laughs> just bizarre, really surreal moment. Um, so have you got any any particular memories of Motson?
2: I no, same as Andy, really. He's just, just the voice of football growing up. Um, mm. I was one of those scenarios where it, it popped into a group chat yesterday and so, uh, it, in a group chat when it happened and someone had just put sort of John Motson um, with a heartbreak emoji or something and that mm. was the first I'd sort of knew of it and I just yeah stopped with one of those ones that just sort of stops you in your tracks a little bit really just a, a real iconic face and voice probably more in latter years remember him seeing on sort of football focus on a Saturday morning they'd always cross over to him in sort of you know more of his latter years he's just someone that was just consumed by football wasn't he we meet so and we're probably the same really people that when you when you work in football people tend to be kind of obsessed with it and and John Watson clearly just loved it from from the biggest games but still even towards the end of his life just by all accounts going to football matches all over the country we're, we're almost sort of claiming him a bit as a as an Ipswich boy but I think there's a lot of clubs up and down the land that are sort of claiming that oh yeah John John had a soft spot for us he was always here and he's just a a man who who clearly loved football, and uh, that shone through. I think in the Gary Lineker tribute on Match of the Day, they talked about, you know, he was one of these people that would blaze over a bit if you moved away from the subject of football in a general conversation, because that's all he wanted to talk about. So, um, yeah, very sad.
1: Yeah. Uh, Moving from something sad but celebratory to just something daft boys, I thought we'd finish today by talking about the best sporting excuses. This is inspired by Connor Ben. From the world of boxing last week uh i don't know if you've seen this but conor ben had failed two drugs tests ahead of his fight with uh, with chris eubank jr um he tested positive for something called clomifed which is a masking agent for steroids um originally claimed it was a, a tainted supplement that classic excuse uh and then moved on to the the, the reason he actually got cleared by the wbc last week extraordinary he would eaten too many eggs he, he he had a highly elevated consumption of eggs i think was the actual term used in the report he was claiming that he'd eaten 40 plus a week um clearly an athlete you need your protein he taken it to the nth degree um i mean it's complete nonsense to, to be fair there's no way someone's googled that <laughs> and 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 seen that, that somewhere somehow some hens getting get injected with his comafen and they've they've, they've gone well let's go with this one Uh, okay is that is
0: that how he (laughs) said is that how it said it's happened because the hen that laid the egg has been injected it's it's not naturally
1: it's not a naturally occurring thing in eggs but apparently some places hens are injected with this to help them lay more or what i don't know anyway so that's that's where it's come from it's akin to another boxing one canelo alvarez when he tested positive said he'd eaten contaminated meat because in mexico where he's from they do. Beef does have like a steroid injected into it to make them big and strong. It's well known. So that was his contaminated meat excuse. And Tyson Fury, when he popped hot, said that he'd eaten a, a wild boar that hadn't been um, neutered. It was still entire and therefore had too much testosterone <laughs> in it. So th- th- these are classic, classic excuses, boys. And I just thought we'd maybe have a bit of fun just by reflecting on some some good ones. Have you got any to throw into the mix? Because the obvious one for me is the Alex Ferguson when Man United had to wear grey, I think it was at Southampton all those years ago. Came out after the game and said they couldn't see each other. That was brilliant. Um, and, and any to throw into the mix? They changed kit at half time in that game, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still lost. Excuses. I've, I mean, Go I've on. got an absolute. Can I, I continue? Because the one that, that I remember most from my childhood it was a sprinter called Dennis Mitchell. If you ever watched athletics, this is in the kind of golden era of sprinting when there was Lyford Christie and Carl Lewis and Dennis Mitchell was in that kind of mix, uh, and he popped up for testosterone. He had hugely elevated levels of testosterone, off the top of my head, and his excuse was that the night before the drugs test, it uh, was his wife's birthday, so he he drank, I think he drank ten bottles of Budweiser, and made love to her six times in that night, and the actual quote was, "It was her birthday." the lady deserved a treat. And that, that was his actual, that was his actual defense. That's why he was so raging with testosterone the following day, uh, beer and sex. Uh, anything else to throw into the mix?
0: I can remember that this isn't as exciting, but it's all I can think of. And that's all you're going to get. Um, yeah. There was um, an NFL quarterback called Donovan McNabb who had a thoroughly underwhelming game for Philadelphia, uh, yeah. which ended in a tie after overtime, and and he made a couple of mistakes, to, made some interesting decisions at the end of overtime, and then at the end of it, he he, he said that he didn't realise there were ties in the NFL, and that, and, that, <laughs> and that's what and that's why he made the decision that he did. Um,
1: Amazing. That's, that's not uh, great. Well, yeah, yeah,
2: but it's still staggering. Any from you, Watson? What, like Larson Torre didn't realise there were? Yeah, <laughs> that you <laughs> couldn't have shirt, a tie yeah. in, the, in the League Cup. Um, wasn't there one in You might know this. You're more of a darts man than I. Wasn't there one about complaints about farting on stage? Recently, there's been there's been all sorts of things.
0: Yeah, there's been all sorts of things on stage in darts with farting and and wind. Oh yeah, there was one player that. Oh yeah. Uh, I couldn't play very well today because there was definitely, there was a window open somewhere in the venue and it blew my darts off. Um, of course. Yeah. There's
1: some fart. There's a lot of farting on the hockey, I think. I was thinking also, Stu, on the back of this, we could test the theory because obviously you're, you're you're very much into your training and your protein and stuff. Would you, would you try and consume 48 in a week and then see if we can uh, test you for clomiphane afterwards? No, yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> I'm not sure
2: Andy will thank me at the end of that week when we we spend a lengthy amount of time in a in a car together. Yeah,
0: if you are doing it, it's for a home game for the weekend. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Tremendous! It was, I'll it, do it.
1: A wonderfully creative. If you could, I mean, it's in the name of. The name of the, the job, Stewie. The name of science and sport to see if you can, you
2: yeah. Can... Then I could probably do the darts one as well off the back of that as well. So. <laughs> just
1: run through them all.
2: See right, if he and puts friends. Andy off his player ratings,
1: yeah. <laughs> his head's gone. Um, anything else to mention, friends? It's been a shorter one today, but um, still a good one. I feel we've covered quite a lot of ground and uh, had some fun um, while we're doing it. Anything Anything else to mention? We
0: should just mention the crowd at MK, which was yep. obviously, obviously huge, but <clears> I, I would if like if my memory isn't playing tricks on me they were that was so much louder this year than 7000 Ipswich fans were at at Stadium MK a year ago obviously a year ago the game wasn't great it was nil-nil and it it, um it wasn't a great game I don't think but those fans were incredibly loud at the weekend very very loud indeed um I think the the acoustics at the stadium help, and so they should, because the the Winkleman is an acoustic man. He he's involved in the music industry, and I think that stadium was quite heavily sculpted to help with things like that. But um, very very loud, and um, it's quite a special sight actually, with the small tiny little pockets of of MK fans here and there, mm. and then that uh, big wall of uh,
1: big wall of blue, which was good. Did we see a Stuart Watson inflatable as someone threatened a few weeks ago on Mailbag? Were there any Watson sex dolls floating around? There was one that looked like Stu. Was there? Are
2: you going to say it was the penis? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Beach, beach ball. Thought I'd get in there first. Um, yeah, that was an incredible sight. That was... Um, you had to just stop and look at that that wall of uh, Ipswich Town fans, and there's a great picture that the club have put out of McKenna on the touchline, just kind of staring and gazing up and gazing up at them. Um, he talked about from the minute they got off the coach at the weekend and the, the number of fans that greeted them and really mm. giving really giving them a lift. So, as much as we've talked about the ingrained fear of it all going wrong at Ipswich town and the nervousness that could creep in and and everything like that these Ipswich fans are a credit to the club and they turn up week after week home and away and i think they are they're undoubtedly still a positive force behind this football team they leave all of those fears at the door when the when the first whistle goes and they and they get behind their team and as long as the team keep giving them something then uh, that can be a bit of a, a powerful symbiotic relationship, I think, for these big games ahead, certainly mm. for these these home games, um, Saturday, Tuesday.
1: Mm, mm. Obviously, we'll I preview hope... them later in the week. Hutchie, yeah. what's going on over here? Sorry,
2: No, no, no. Carry on.
1: What's going on over your right-hand shoulder, Hutchie? You've got some kind of production line going with shirts. So you've got a usual rack of shirts, but there seems to be shirts on the bed as well. Is this some kind yeah. of packaging and production? What's going on? No, run out of hangers. <laughs> the rack's full. <laughs> So, what you got on the oh, bed there? What's what's the one that's been relegated uh, to the.
0: There's about six of them on the bed there. There's, um, the rack is full. No more can be. F- the one that you can probably see is a 10, 12 year old AC Milan shirt with Saydorf on the
1: back. Nice. Oh, sorry. Benson's here. Um, that's a bit of Clarence Saydorf. He's a big fan of Clarence Sadorf. What's the shirt? Play guest shirt. Is it. It looks like. E- that should be easy. Roma, is it? Yeah. Boom. He's got one. I'm concerned this is
2: getting out of hand because before we hit record on this, you Andy was telling us how he just purchased £10 worth of Southampton signed memorabilia. <laughs> and if he anybody... doesn't know what it is or who signed it, but he got it.
1: He needs it. Yep. He's gonna move it on. Yep. At profit. How's it? I don't we no. can tell me who signed it.
0: Yeah, I will I will find out. It, the, yeah. the information's available. I acted fast and have um, secured the merchandise. How is your little cottage industry going, Hutchie? Very well, thank you. I'll, I need to have a chat with you about something afterwards. Oh, nice. Okay,
1: yeah. super. So well friends. he's quit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm now making more money from my sideline. I'm going to do it full-time. Fair enough. Friends, um, thanks for listening today. Apologies again that we didn't bring you a second show last week. That won't happen again. It was our own fault. We got as I say, discombobulated by movement oppressors and plans and time off and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, apologies once more. Air Fryer chat, friends. I made Kung Po chicken. Well, I say I made. The wife made and I watched Kung Po chicken in the air fryer last night. Superb. Again, I'll share the recipe on Instagram. Uh, and also the usual plea, please, friends, to support our sponsors. Use code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. And also support our friends at Ginger Pickle. If you need your Google Ads Elevating, SEO Optimized. Get involved with Ginger Pickle. If you like your Pickle Ginger, Google Ginger Pickle and get Tony Southgate involved in all that sort of good stuff, digital marketing. All right, friends, anything else to mention, boys, before we take our leave and get on with the week?
2: No other business. No
1: other business. No other business. business. The week is in the books. We've talked about Ipswich Town making it two wins in a row. We've talked about best sporting excuses. We've talked about John Watson. And also, I think the highlight of today's show was this single line. That'd be a tough one for a noun, Matt have a great start the week friends we'll be back later on this week to speak to you again